podcast if I want to. Welcome to Peter's Frenemies, our um, once a month watching and uh, responding to the 1992 film Peter's Friends by Kenneth Branagh and Friends. Yes, he directed and produced it. Yes, he did, but he didn't write it and we've established that in the past. We're just reiterating. Um, every time that we watch, we think about what will annoy us, well, what has what has annoyed us, what has delighted us, and what has surprised us. And then we make a case for the person who is Peter's real friend. That's right. And sorry to give you all the admin on this. You're always doing the explanation. Um, I should do it next time. Okay, thank you. Anyway, um, that's what we do each month. And let's get going. All right, so this viewing I was delighted by Paul's minor grift. Paul assists Carol and other oh assists Carol in taking in her bags into the house, taking her bags into the house and he One of which he carries in his teeth. No no that's Brian. Oh Paul, right go on. Okay, Paul um, and he he uh, takes the bags into Peter's room. Now, Paul has grown up in this house. He knows that that is not a guest room, that that was the master bedroom for the dad, and now it's Peter's room. He knows that, and he takes the bag there, and he accepts money. He accepts a tip, knowing that he has taken the bag to the wrong room, and that delighted me. I'm like, good on you, Paul. Oh, it is a kind of a grift. Mm. I think Paul's got kind of a ulterior motives in the whole film like what's he really about yeah i think that's something we should explore in future viewings i mean yeah he does end up getting a bit of sexy time yeah that happens pretty quickly too anyway uh that's mine what about you what delighted me this time uh what delighted me was how we we had to hear a couple of times that this show the american tv show that Carol is famous for being in. What's it called? Who's in the kitchen? Who's in the kitchen? Uh, We hear a couple of times that it's on at four in the afternoon. And that delighted me because uh, I'm going to give another nostalgic tip. I'm just such a bloody toxic (laughs) nostalgia man. Anyway, don't you remember when we used to know what time a show was on at? And it would actually like be important to know or you just miss it. But also, can we just talk about um, what kind of a show is on at four o'clock in the afternoon? Uh, Well, if you're living in Melbourne, Australia, it's things like, you know, quiz shows. Yeah, and or play school. Um, I'm just, I'm thinking even in the UK, it would be like countdown or um yeah nobody's watching a sitcom anyway yes I we just... hear that a couple of times and it's it's used as an excuse why people haven't seen it well i used to i think degrassi junior high might be a show i watched at four in the afternoon okay the original not the crappy re- reboot <clears throat> bitter but... much 
All right, let's move on. <laughs> annoyed. What annoyed us in this viewing? Okay, you go first this time. Okay. Uh, I want to focus in on... Uh, okay, Brian and... Sarah. Sarah. I always forget her name. So Sarah, uh, I want to focus in on a couple of things about her. Well, r- one thing, really. When she goes cold on Brian because he's decided to leave his wife... Um, or is it earlier? She says to him, Brian, you've got a kid, you know, trying to tell him to kind of be responsible or something or, or to basically back off for a minute. You've got a kid. Think about what you're doing. And, you know, she's as much to blame as him. There's literally 20 minutes of real time, not film time, between her going, oh, darling, when, yeah. when he says, I've left my wife. And then, then the, Brian, you've got a kid. Daughter, I'm very tired. I'm yes. very tired, I'm, Brian. I'm, I'm very tired, Brian. And look, on the same note, okay, so Nicholas is the name of the kid. And Brian, you know, weeps on the phone to Nicholas. And then, but also in the same kind of 20 minutes, Brian, when she says, you know, you've got a kid, Brian says that Nicholas could learn to love you, I, you know, her. So, he, but the way he says it is like, he could learn to love you, and and on the on the word love, he like squeezes her in a kind of a saucy way. Oh, and I'm like, this no. isn't working at all. No, this is not working. That is not. So good. Brian, you've got a kid. My kid could learn to love you, and wink, wink. I'm giving you a squeeze when I tell you that. <laughs> so, look, I'm just gonna say problematic, uh, all around that little that little notion of Brian's kid. That annoyed me. Yeah, and and look. As as a little side note or add on to yours, um, I will also add that it annoys me that Brian's wife rings the house. How does she know where he is? Mm. Like, even like even if she knew that he was at Peter's house, like do you remember, do you remember in um, I think it's a Woody Allen film. I think it's Annie Hall, uh, his friend. Max, I think. No, his friend who calls him Max all the time. Woody Allen's friend is constantly telling people, for the next two hours, I'm going to be at 555-2938. After that, I'm going to be at 555-9272. So maybe that's what Brian was doing. Maybe. I mean, I'm just going to say that Peter doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would be listed in the phone book. Like, Mm. so... It's a bit of a mystery. How does she... She just randomly ring numbers in whatever... that's Hartford a genuine. That's a, a genuine plot It is. How would the genuine, the jilted wife have the number of the random place where the husband had gone? Anyway, okay. um, all right. So, uh, in terms of me, I, I am actually just going to. It is such an excruciatingly awful way to open the film. That opening act. I just. I have to. I have to speak my truth about it. Mm-hmm. Right from the fact that the, all the women are wearing fake moustaches, but not the men. And, and that annoys me for some reason. Um, Sarah's side mouth, as she's doing, bah, 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 is like really makes me want to punch the screen. And, um, and not only are the lyrics completely incomprehensible, like we've heard it how many times now? I, I can't make out. Well, I know it's train stations. I know it's yeah. about the London train system or something but i can't i can't figure that song out no i can't figure it out and then the the worst thing for me is the big reveal of the rainbow tutus that is just for the film audience the actual audience 
they would be able to see them the entire time. So anyway, I just, I know, I know it wasn't like the big twist or gimmick of the, um, of, of the performance, but it just, it just annoys me. It just annoys me. It's so. pretty annoying. And maybe, look, a challenge I think I have for the future is to try and figure that song out. Maybe it will become less annoying if we learn to like the song. Maybe the lyrics are really witty. Like, they're Noel Coward yeah, level. Yeah, and we're just dumbbells. <laughs> maybe we are. Anyway, that's what annoyed me. So then we come to what surprised us. Uh, before we go there, do we have any corrections corners? We do. Oh, let's go to... Corrections Corner. Now, now stop it. I don't have to tell you again. Stop it now. Sorry. I, um, this is actually me correcting you, Derek. That. Wait a minute. Wait, I just have to hover over the pause button here. Okay. That bear is not an Irish bear. He's wearing a Christmas hat. He's not an Irish bear. And I think... Okay, but well, context, should... context. So this was a couple of episodes back. I said the thing that surprised me was an Irish bear playing an accordion standing in the corner. And I was referring to the stuffed bear who has Christmas decorations between his paws and what I described as an Irish bow on his head. Because it looks like that. That's what it looks like. Look, but he's got Christmas decorations and there's also red there. So as part of the hat. So look, I know you wanted to claim that bear as Ireland's own, but you can't claim that bear as Ireland's own. So yeah, that's it. and we can leave Corrections Corner now. Let's unless... leave uh, film forensics within B Mini Corrections <laughs> Corner edition <laughs> or CSI. <laughs> CSI, yeah. Okay. Go away to the non Corrections Corner place now. <laughs> Stop it. I don't have to tell you again. Stop it now. Sorry. Now we're back to surprised. Go with surprised. I was surprised by how many Christmas trees one house where only one person is basically living. Oh. Um, it's near because in the very opening scene with our friend Mr. Gooch, um, who I, I actually agree is Peter's only real friend. Is, but, that, is that scene at the house? Yeah, that's in the house. It's in the study, which is a real, it looks like an absolute mess. It's worse than my study. And he's de- decorating a Christmas tree, right? Mm, okay. And then later, when we're playing the piano, you know, that this the film loves to go do that long tracking shot around the back of the Christmas tree. Um, I like I like that kind of shot. That's yeah, very Christmassy. But there's also and that there are two Christmas trees in that room. There's one near the piano, and there's one that they go behind for the piano. Anyway, so it's like. Two Christmas trees in one room. I, we don't know how many Christmas trees there possibly like. If that's if that's just one in the stu- in the in the the um, hoarder's study, and then there's two in the piano room. God knows how many more Christmas trees there are. The mind boggles. Maybe the house was built around a forest of pine <laughs> trees, and it was just convenient that uh, they cleared many of them. But they left, say, 12 or 18, and uh, they said, that'll be handy when Christmas rolls around. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's what surprised me. What about you? What surprised me this time is, again, I'm going to say, it, it, it relates to, to something being a little problematic. 
in the opening montage, you know, of 1992 onwards, uh, you get this... Is it 1992 onwards? It's 1982 to 1992. onwards to 92. So you get that montage with the Tears for Fears song. And they do make an effort... Uh, it, it's a mistake to do it. <laughs> but they make an effort to try and match some of the imagery with the lyrics of the song. So, you know, everybody wants to rule the world. And there's moments where um, the images definitely are supposed to match what the lyrics are saying. Now listen to this. At the moment when the lyric says, Turn your back on Mother Nature. The image on screen is Boy George. <gasps> so it's like, I, you know, if that's on purpose, I'm not going to say for sure it is. But if it's on purpose... I think we're saying it was a different time, right? Oh my God, I can't believe <laughs> it. Some of the other images are definitely matching the words. Anyway, okay, well, that is unfortunate. Um, we're coming to the last bit, which is who is Peter's real, real friend? friend? Derek? I'll, okay, I'll go. You go first. This time, Peter's real friend is Michael. Michael. Yeah, Michael. Michael. Who's Michael? I've got you, don't I? I've got you. Uh, is it the, the author that Maggie went out with? No, but it is another Maggie connection. Okay. Michael is Maggie's cat. Oh, Michael, Maggie's cat. Yes. And she does say his name a few times in, in, in the early, like, just the very beginning of the film. And then she completely forgets about him. And she doesn't care anymore. So <laughs> Michael is Peter's real friend because Michael is probably going to be the only thing that distracts Maggie again back into her own world. So she stops bothering Peter to be her gay husband or something. So in that way, uh... Michael can save Peter from Maggie. I'm impressed that you came up with someone because do you know what? I couldn't think of it. Well, it's episode four. I know. I, we're in real trouble. Um, okay, so I can I'm, throw you a lifeline. No, no, no. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna completely. I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna improvise, and I am going to say that Peter's real friend is Peter. No, give me a rationale. Because. Look, Mr. Gooch does try to talk sense into him, but Peter, Peter actually says, you know, I have made one decision. I'm going to throw a party. Peter is, and he pulling together all these people that he loved, that loves, that God knows why, but um, hasn't seen them for a number of years. He curates that whole situation. I mean, let's think about Peter. He's HIV positive at a time where that was still a scary prospect. And Peter looks after himself. He... He has this party rather than, you know, going out and getting a proper job and sort of turning the estate into, I don't know, a tourist trap. Um, he, he puts himself in, and he's a hedonist in that respect, and he, he's, but it's about self-care, self, self-care hedonism. And to your point, uh, when they're going to Peter's, a few of them make comments about how Peter's a lost cause and he's, you know, he's oh, he's never really... He's the most wonderful boy, but he's hopeless, He's, hope, he's hopeless. Hopeless And Maggie. he hasn't done anything. He can't grow up and all that. So they're not really nice. And meanwhile, he's just trying to take care of himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, so maybe he is, maybe he's his own best friend. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yay for Peter. And that concludes Peter's Frenemies for this month. Until next month, we have one thing to say to you, and that is... Mind the cat! Happy birthday.